right, everyone. Welcome to the show, Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency Weekly Podcast. I'm Doug Markham, and that's Jason Harmon. How's it going, Jason Doug? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing, Jason Harmon. Doing all right, Jason. Got an interesting show today, a little different. A little different. We're going to go from one subject and do a hard transition to the next. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'll go ahead and hint to you, and then we'll get to our guests in a minute. But we're going to talk about turkeys today, wild turkeys, and also wild cougars. Wild <laughs> so, cougars, yeah. Wild cougars versus... Uh, Bobcats and kitty cats and everything else, but we'll get our guest in just a minute. It's going to be fun talking about all this stuff. A couple things going on though right now, Jason, that we need to discuss. Yes, uh, some exciting things are going on at the agency. You've heard about the the big deer, the the tucker buck. Yep, Tennessee uh, tucker buck. It's all over the place, and we had a a, a representative from the Boone and Crockett here we yesterday. Did. Yeah, we really appreciate that he came in. Yep, and certified. I guess pretty much certified our scores score. It, it helped. You, Justin Spring is his name, and he came in from Missoula, Montana. He's he works for for Boone and Crockett, and Boone and Crockett does a whole lot of stuff. They're very much into management and deer management and just cervid management and all kinds of stuff. But part of what Boone and Crockett does is the scoring of deer and other things. That's just mm-hmm. a part of what they do, and he's in that section that talks a lot of, about scoring and and uh, there were some questions about the scoring of the Tucker Buck. Nothing controversial it's just a a really difficult rack to score so they had some questions and they were nice enough to fly in who he was to from missoula montana mm-hmm. they rescored this deer while he was there he gave them some tips that's him with a cowboy hat on there looks montana like yeah and a really nice guy he gave him some tips they rescored made a few changes and in the in the very end this this rack that was so hard to score lost three eighths of an inch Nothing. off of its drive really? score yeah it's 312 Four inches plus, uh, longer than more more inches, more inches yeah. on the rack. And you put all that forty-seven inches together. Then any other deer ever taken, and we need to be specific about this by hunter. Uh, Boone and Crockett has its own way of scoring deer, and the world record deer is one from uh, actually one from Missouri that was they found dead back in the fifties. The Missouri Monarch, I think Missouri, that's it. what it's called, Missouri Monarch, and it's three hundred and thirty-three inches or whatever. But this is the 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 biggest rack Largest ever scored deer taken by a hunter, by a hunter. Yep. in Sumner County, Tennessee. And what will happen now, Jason, is that this deer will go two more years. People keep saying, why 2019 out on our Facebook page? Why 2019? Because that's when they meet to have their awards banquet. They don't meet every year. Their membership come in every three years. Mm-hmm. And they have a, when you have a deer, he explained him. We're going to put a video out that Barry Cross is doing about this whole process on the Facebook page. But he explained yesterday that the top 10, if a deer breaks their top 10 score, then they put these panels together that rescore them and make them official. So what happened this week is this, this deer met the expectations. It can now go on the expectation list and then in two years be judged one more time. But we feel good about it now. Oh, yeah. I mean, we feel really good about it. Young Stephen Tucker was there. He's nervous the whole day. And this is a big deal to this youngster and to Tennessee too. And so anyway, next step is done. We're going to kind of lay back and relax off the Tucker Buck now and, and see what happens in two years. Something else that was cool, watching the, the Twitter feed. I noticed you posted a Twitter shot yesterday, or a shot on Twitter, the, of Stephen holding the, the Whitetail magazine. He was in North American Whitetail and yeah. did an article on him and had his rack there. And Man. I know he was nervous sitting there watching he him was, that. He was, and they did an article just this week, last night. I mean, the night after we did this. This was done early in the week. 
the night after uh, the North American had already posted another story on there quoting Dale Grandstaff, who led the Boone and Crockett team. You know, the agency has its own Boone and Crockett certified scores. We had four of them there, right. and they're all very smart and did just a great job. So, anyway, another thing real quick before we get to our guest. Yeah, um, something new the agency's doing is a guide license, and here's a, a shot of it and what it's going to look like. This is new, and this will affect only about five to 600 people that fish in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. If you are in a hunt in Tennessee, it's they had to pick out something, so they picked out a ra- – I mean, I don't know if it's a rainbow or brown, but it's they picked out a trout this year to go on this license. And what's new about it is that guides have never had to buy this before or apply for. The guide license is really new, three or four years old maybe, in Tennessee now two years old. Whenever the license increased, it became a part of the package. So they have to apply for this now. They can go online, tmwildlife.org, right on the front. That will be out there this week. And you, there's an application there. You can fax it in. You can mail it in. You can take it by one of the regional offices. They will issue you a paper license that will last you for 30 days. And in that 30 days, sometime in that, you will be mailed this license. So that's new. They got their reasons for doing it. They're just, they just feel like a guide ought to have a card in their pocket. And this is what it's going to look like. So be aware of that. Uh, talk to Alicia Chasty, who does our sales office. She said there's a, somewhere 500-plus uh, people who guide in Tennessee, and about 400 are residents, and about 100 of them are non-residents. $150 for the resident, $650 for a non-resident for guide license. And this card, this card's real similar to our uh, other hard cards you can buy. Yep. As far as uh, as as a hunter and fisherman in the state, you can buy a hard card in addition to your license, a little add-on to yeah. your license, and have a, a nice little hard card to carry in your wallet. It so. is. It's five. That license we're talking about is a five bucks. I've got them. We're going to yep. get them. I'm going to get the one that's coming out that's got a big fish on it pretty soon. Yeah. we got a good video coming on Facebook about that, too. That's going to be really cool with Ralph McDonald. Anyway, Keep good enough. Yep. Um, let's, meet, let's meet our guest. Yeah. This is Joy Sweeney. And Joy is our program manager for somehow for our deer. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, for our <laughs> turkey. I'm trying to give you another job, Joy. <laughs> for our turkey and for our cougar that's programs. Correct. Yeah, come in just a little tighter, Joe. Okay. So you're 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 you got an odd title up there. That's they're slightly different. Mm-hmm. Did how'd you come by that? Well, when the first cougar in a hundred years was confirmed to be in Tennessee, um, about a year ago, year and a half ago, um, I was at that time the bear program leader, and I attend a um, southeastern uh, study group for carnivores since bear is a, is a large carnivore and that um group also covered cougars and so once tennessee had a cougar since i was our large <laughs> carnivore contact i had the cougar too okay we're we're going to get into the cougar we're going to start with turkey first and get more into the cougar but it's just you work up in the wildlife division mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of different folks up there working on many projects you got turkey and cougar you got folks up there working on our other bear elk deer Mm-hmm. We'll chuck on here a bunch waterfowl uh, um it goes on and on and on if it's a game animal or cougar in your case you're working on it mm-hmm. and we'll talk about cougars whether you can hunt them or not in a little bit okay sure tell us what's going on with turkey we got the turkey season coming up april 1st through i forget about back into that but april 1st goes into may and uh it's out on our out on our website or in the guide 45 total days is that right joy yes okay got it coming up and before we get into how great it's going to be this year, you also have a study going on down in southern Middle Tennessee. Let's hit there first. What is that all about? Um, in southern Middle Tennessee, uh, 
the harvest trend, which is if you look at, say, 10 years of harvest mm -hmm. and you look at whether overall it's been going up or being stable or going down, um, the trend in that area of Tennessee, it's been going down. Okay. And so that's kind of raised a red flag. And um, so we want to investigate that and see if we can tell a little better why that trend is, is occurring. Okay. And the, the <coughs> counties, I'm not going to probably get them all right, but I think it's it's Giles County, mm -hmm. Wayne County, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm missing one. Lawrence. Lawrence County. Mm -hmm. All right there touching each other. Right. So that's where, and they've been some of the best counties in our state mm -hmm. for turkey harvest for a long time. Right. And large numbers. Right. So who is tell us about the who's doing the study? Are we doing it? Is a university doing it? We're working with them. It's What's a cooperative um, project that is between us and the University of Tennessee Knoxville and also the National Wild Turkey um, Federation Foundation. Federation. Federation. Okay, sorry. that's all right. Sorry. Right. So you're down there working with them. So what are you doing? And are the obviously from the from the shots up here you're trapping them and then you're doing some stuff what's going on with it so what we're doing is we are trying to get um a large a large portion of birds um equipped with radio transmitters um and we're targeting about t 200 birds and okay. so what we in order to get the birds we we use a rocket net mm -hmm. and shoot a rocket over top of a flock and then um, we, we get the birds and, and we put a backpack radio transmitter All on All right, cool. And so that way we can go out and use a, um, a signal locator. Each bird has a, its own unique frequency, and you can come out and locate where it is. And um, it, it, what's really good is, is when they die, they send out another signal. So if a radio transmitter okay. doesn't move for a certain amount of time, a few hours, um, then a mortality signal are, happens. Are you are you putting these on both male and female <coughs> hens and gobblers? Right. There's going to be um, five counties in the um, site. Okay. The three counties you mentioned, because okay. those are the ones we're, we're concerned about. And then we're using two other counties, um, Murray and Bedford, because those counties have a um, positive harvest trend where um, – you know, each year more and more birds are taken in the harvest. And so, you know, that's going, you know, the way ideally, you know, you would, it would make you feel good about it. Yeah. And okay. so if we can compare the, um, the, the um, population dynamics that we learn about the counties with the low or the negative harvest trend and compare that with the dynamics that we learn about the counties with a positive harvest trend, maybe we can see exactly what's what what makes them different. And and I don't, I think folks will probably look at this and think, well, this is all about Southern Middle Tennessee, but it's not. This information you intend to use with your thoughts across the state and maybe even beyond our state lines is that is that pretty true? No, that's very true. That's very true. We'll, we'll learn about. Um, what, one thing that we're really um, keying on is how harvest impacts. Um, the, the turkeys, and since we, we have the same harvest regulations, the same season, the same weapon types, the same bag limit across the state, then that is a um, variable we can study that, that will run statewide um, as far as how that affects the population trend. Now, how long is this study? The study is going to last um, a grand total of six years. Okay. There's going to be five years of field work. So every year we're going to have 200 birds that are, that are radio marked. Um, and we'll follow them. And, and another thing, um, and then one year of, of analysis. Okay. Um, and we'll have a um, master's student. We've got one right now. And then once he gets um, 
graduates, then we'll have a PhD student to finish it out. Okay, and I want to note, we started to put it on here, but there is a really good video that Barry Cross put together on our Facebook page. You've got to scroll down a little bit to find it. It's also at the top of our – it's also on our website, I believe. I believe so, yes. You go at the top of our website and find it easier um, out there. If you want to watch what's going on with this project, you did a good job getting there, put it together. Uh, Joey, what if somebody kills – a, a bird just got one of these well all the birds in our study are, um, have a band on their leg mm-hmm. and that band um, ind- um, has a phone number and it's a phone number of Dr. Bueller um, Dr. David Bueller who is the head um, investigator on this project at U- okay. at the University of Tennessee okay. and so just call that phone number alright I'm sure you'd like to get your your, and uh, the transmitter transmitters would be, yeah. back because they're not cheap. If <laughs> they don't, if they don't get destroyed right. uh, with the harvest, because some will probably get harvested. Right, but I mean, uh, to me, even I mean, just as important, if not more important, is is that knowing what happened to that bird, because that's what we're trying to find that's out. That's what you're trying to find out. All right, so going into it, no idea of what's going on right now. Just starting with a blank, just a whole. There's no thought about what's going on. Whether it's disease or whether it's just because these things have reached their carrying capacity, any thought there? Or were you just leaving that as a blank slate and just finding out? For the most part, it's a blank, a blank slate. I mean, yeah. there's there's theories, mm-hmm. and there's one um, theory about um, chicken litter, mm-hmm. which is where um, at a, at a I guess a, a plant where they raise chickens. Mm-hmm there's a lot of um, feces that are produced from mm-hmm. the chickens and this is used as fertilizer okay. um, and uh, it, it's a fairly popular practice in that area and so there's some concern that um, that could be um, one of the differences okay so that's what you'll be looking at so that's one thing we'll be looking yeah. at um, dr. Richard Gerholt is mm-hmm. a um, uh, one of the investigators on this project and he's with the College of Veterinary um, medicine at the University of Tennessee and so for each turkey that we capture we're getting a fecal sample and we're also drawing blood and okay. so we'll do that, that do a question. disease profile on, on all the birds okay, to so get an idea about that aspect. That photograph where we saw you holding a turkey with the other mm-hmm. folks you, from that turkey you drew blood got a fecal sample mm-hmm. uh, put a telemetry on them or transmitter on mm-hmm. them and anything else? Um, we just took some basic measurements um, you know leg length and spur length and uh, beard length Okay, and the band is... And we put a band. On the leg. On the leg. Okay, right. so read that and please send the transmitters back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just give us a call. We'll make it they're, happen. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's going to be interesting. So look at it for another six years, and who's paying for this project? Um, well, we're cooperating with the University of Tennessee, and so um, 25% of the project is through... Um, license dollars or state dollars and then university tennessee is using some of the manpower they're putting into it and so that's counting as part of that 25 percent. so that's really kind of high yeah um and then that allows us to get federal dollars so 75 percent of the whole total comes from pittman robertson federal dollars okay so i think the 25 percent a lot of that's in kind services because of the university so the dollar's not coming at too much out of us not much at all if any really okay good i think it's going to be a cool study anything else Mm -hmm. on that before we move on yes um there's another aspect so so you know we're looking at the on the ground um what's happening with the birds their movements how um habitat plays into um their their survivability and their mortality um you know when it comes to to turkeys reproduction is when the most mortality happens um it's it's uh the number of poults that survive the number of hens that survive um 
And the, th- the key thing about that is habitat because their nesting habitat and their brooding habitat are totally different from their winter and fall habitat. And so that can be a limiting factor, and that might be the case um, of what's driving the trend in this population. So that's, that's another, um, I guess, thing that we're looking at. Oh, you said that. Yeah. So looking at habitat, we're looking at harvest, we're looking at disease. And just, you know, it's just really broad. Good job. Thanks for bringing me back to that because that needed to be said. I appreciate that. Uh, okay. So, and, and there's one more professor. Um, no, there's two more professors that I, that I want to make sure I give credit to. Please. Um, which is Dr. Neelam Pudial, and he is a human dimensions expert. And so he's going to help us um, do surveys of hunters in the area. And Interesting. Get a, help even, us hunters, yeah. And we can get a, um, a count, uh, an idea about hunter effort and then get a better idea about how harvest is affecting that population. And Dr. Craig Harper, um, he is um, habitat and wildlife ecosystem expert, and so he's also a, a major player. In this. Serious stuff going on here. Want to help with the turkeys and yeah. make sure we're gonna we're turkeys. gonna find out. I'm I'm really excited about it. It's really going to improve the way we manage turkeys in Tennessee. The shots. I mean, the stuff is going on. The studies happening right now as we speak. They're down there in these counties working. Will it just be a late winter study? Or is it going to go on other times of the year? Um, it's going to go through um, through the um, brooding because when the when the poults, we're going to watch those hens mm-hmm. with the radio transmitters, and when they have poults, we're going to put some transmitters on those too. Okay, all right. Anything else on that? I think that covers it. All right, good still. We'll, we'll keep up with it, and when you want to come in and give us an update, sure. we'd love to have an update. What's going on? And and of course the final stuff if we're all here in six yeah. years but just to let you know it's going really well it is um we're we're um the guys are out there i was out there um trapping and and we're we're doing what needs to be done to get it done so that's exciting great deal and uh, it's been a long time since i've been on a trapping but i love it's it's like hunting it's waiting for those birds to come in and get the right number and throwing that net over and you can see a net go off <coughs> excuse me on the facebook piece you'll see one of those nets go off mm-hmm. and our grad student's Which, name is vinnie johnson he did a great job he did he did he really did he's acted like he's done it all his life talking to mm-hmm. to folks so anyway appreciate ut helping out on that now mm-hmm. how's the season gonna go we're gonna have record harvest this year or it's you know, um, the last the last five years, you know, the average harvest has been right around thirty thousand. Last year was um, up about six hundred and eighty birds mm-hmm. um, from that um, from the year before, and that much essentially above the five year average. So, I mean, I, I don't see any major weather events or or you know reproduction deficiencies that would that would change it expect it just to keep right on right on going steady and this may not be fair to ask you but once upon a time we kept up with what how many pokes it took to keep our our population at least at its same size do we still do that and we, we do still do that and what how many pokes survival's about it used to, i remember it used to be a like 5.2 they had 5.2 that made it past august and your population at least was going to sustain itself or uh-huh. something like that actually the um the thought about that nowadays is is two okay is a, is a one to two ratio. It's a lot lower than it used to be. Back then, we were in the restoration phase. Yes, ma'am. And so right. there was a lot of um, habitat available. And so hens had the opportunity um, to raise more chicks because there was more cover. Mm-hmm. And so less chicks and less hens got predated. Well, now all the nesting habitat, for the most part, is, is full. So now hens are nesting in, in um, habitat with less cover. So more hens get predated, more nests get predated. Uh, and so it's it's kind of 
made that ratio down a little bit lower. Um, but the thought is that a two to one, two, two poults to one hen um, is sustainable. When you start getting lower than that, then, then um, you know, you start to, to um, question that. Okay, are we still but there? higher than two, yeah. we're right around two, yeah. two to one, yeah. Okay, so we're, right. we're And that's what you would expect, you know, restoration's over. Um, the populations are meeting the capacity of what the habitat can support. And so there you are at that sustaining reproduction level. You, you just kind of expect unless you have a cold, wet spring, mm -hmm. um, then that'll go down. And then maybe the next year when it's, you know, um, favorable weather, they'll make up for it. Okay. And it was the number I'm pulling out that I think is close to right was from Jack Murray. And Jack Murray hasn't worked here in a long time. but it, And this was even in the years where he was still helping all these wildlife wildlife officers and biologists all the sea mm -hmm. was leading the program on turkey right and well, restoration and, and that's one reason that this study is really important because we understand how turkey populations function in a restoration uh, phase but now it's a whole new um a whole new system out there yeah now that 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 um we're not restoring anymore and uh, populations are are stable yeah, yeah great, great. different just a note on that too that restoration effort joy which is a long time you're probably studying it in college but it's a long time for you got it our officers and our biologists did incredible work with the help of sportsmen's support mm -hmm. in bringing back these birds oh, absolutely in, in the early 1900s we were down to probably a thousand birds in 11 counties and now they're in every single county and we're up to i don't know well over 200,000. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be a question how many and you can only do the best you can do with an animal. That's, that's a wild guess. It around. absolutely is. Yeah, and I will get comments here from some folks saying I don't see any turkey on my property anymore and I used to see flocks of them to other people who say I got 200 turkey on my land they're everywhere. Mhm. Mm Should that be an alarm to somebody? The turkeys just kind of wander off a while and then come back and they do. Um, turkeys are, are really dependent on their food source. Mm -hmm. And so if they there up, is, uh, and they have small home ranges. So if, you know, just a, a, a couple, I don't know, a few couple miles away, <clears throat> there's a great oak mass production because turkeys love acorns. Then they'll move over there. And um, if they're happy, they may not be back for a couple of years, you know, depending on the, on their food source and their cover source. You know, maybe you, you mowed over their favorite fallow field, and that was real important to them, but you didn't know it, you know. Mm. You know, they need that sort of thing. Okay. Don't, don't just worry too much about it. They're probably not gone forever. <coughs> it's, it's, no, it's like I say, they may be, still... you know, a couple miles away, but... You, yeah. Okay. You know, maybe they're not going to tell you about it. Well, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Fish are the same way because everywhere I fish, they're gone now. So, <laughs> right, Jason? That is true, Doug. That Jason, is true. I went white bass fishing the other day, and we didn't do as well as I wanted to. But we're going to go back no. and try again. Hey, at least we caught some. We did catch a few. Yeah, we did get to catch well, a few. Well, you caught some. I didn't catch. I caught. I caught a skipjack. Yes, you caught a skipjack. That was his first one ever. Though, yeah. So that was good. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, anything else on turkey? Because we're fixing to move on to to these. Uh, Mm. Cougar. No, just happy hunting. Um, March is coming up when the youth two-day hunt is happening, and then April first is like is the beginning of spring season. Yeah, the rumor the kids go first. Yep. And then y'all get to start April the first, and it's a forty-five day season. Is that mm -hmm. what you said, Joy? Yep. Okay. And bag limit, you know, four four bearded birds, no more than one a day. Yep. And this thing is it's still out on our site. About the only thing left on it's worth looking at is turkey and a little bit of the small game that's left. But it, this Joey helped put this together, this one-page 
information that's out on our website and it'll be out there again next year updated but the turkey mm-hmm. believe it or not another season's just about coming season um, something's coming real quick on fall uh, it, how much <laughs> how many birds do our hunters take in the fall well um you know we had a um, bag limit drop this last fall season correct um that was fairly significant and that was part of the management and that of was birds. part yeah. of uh, management you know that the um Negative harvest trend in Region 2 was was the thing that really spurred that decision. Um, And Region 2 was the one that was most affected by that. Our typical fall harvest um, year before last was 1,700 birds, and last year it was about 1,000. Okay. And so that we expected to drop. We we dropped the bag limit to have a drop, and that's what, what we, we drop had. What did we drop it to one? Didn't we drop one it? bird in each open and county. There were some counties you actually could take four or so six. Was it six. Wow. Six. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also that's significant because <clears throat> you can take hens during the fall. That's and right. since hens are, you know, <clears throat> directly related to reproduction, and that reproduction is so important to how the how the um, turkey population is going, that's why the, the fall season was targeted, so and, to affect and, the take of hens. And a lot of sportsmen wanted that to happen, too. They wanted that season mm-hmm. so that so that uh, you quit taking so many hens. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, Joey. I'm trying to think of what kind of transition you go from when you're talking about <laughs> turkeys to cougars. So I can't think of one other than... Can we get some go. sound effects? <laughs> Can you do a no? I was, okay. I was Joy, thinking you do a cougar. Yeah. No, I cannot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't go there then because I can't either. But uh, Joy is over the cougar program in Tennessee, and um, this is a new program to us because until a little over a year ago, September of 2015, 2015. okay, 2015, a year and a half ago, uh, we had the very first sighting, confirmed sighting, off a trail camera. At yes. the time mm-hmm. of a cougar in Tennessee, and I know a lot of folks think that we've, we've been trying. There are some folks who think we've been trying to hide that there's cougars in Tennessee, and the agency's not. This place is loaded with biologists who understand expansions, and what we've been looking for all these years is proof. Mm-hmm. And we finally got proof that mm-hmm. cougars have expanded here, but we don't think they're here in large numbers, do we? No, not at all. Okay. We're going to show you a map that Joey helped puts together, too, of the cougar range. How many cougars are here? One, maybe sure. two. Maybe two. One, maybe two, and maybe zero at this point. Um, the last confirmed sighting was this um, past September of 2016. Okay. And we haven't had a confirmed sighting since. So um, I've, I've um, shared the game camera photos that we've had with um, panther experts uh, from other parts of the states where they're plentiful. And, um, you know it's not completely conclusive a lot of the photos are taken at night and you know they're a little blurry uh so we don't know that it's one individual but there's nothing to indicate that the that the cougar that we've had on these game cameras for the past year and a half is more than one individual but because they have unlike a turkey which has a small range a cougar oh cougar's home range once they establish a home range is 150 miles um they can travel up to 600 or more miles to find that home range. Um, and those are usually fairly young males in search of their own own piece of the pie. Okay, and it has it cr- has created so much energy with our press, <laughs> with story, and with people. People think they're mm-hmm. seeing cougars all the time. And we've got a couple of photographs Jason's got on there somewhere. Jason, if I'm messing you up there, tell me. No, too. you're good. I was just okay. showing on the map too. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. That's, well, let's talk about that before I talk sure. about the other. That this is where you have confirmed them. Is that correct? That's correct. In confirmed a sighting. The first sighting was the one that's the furthest northwest. Okay. In Obion County. Obion. All right. 
Um, and, and, and these and are then, the, the Jason's clicking on the I guess the purple dots or red dots or whatever and mm-hmm. these photos are coming up is that mm-hmm. in the location? and that's the photo that was submitted as as hard evidence and that's um, what we examined we also went out to the site where the um, game camera was and verified that that um, what was on on the file was actually what was in front of the camera um, and it also it allowed us to get an idea of size proportions. Um, sometimes if a camera is mounted um, low or high, it can make things look bigger or smaller than what they really are. Um, and you can use vegetation and you can use props to see, you know, if you, if you put a basketball where that cougar was, what's it look like on, on the camera? If it's the size of, if it's the size of the basketball, it's probably a cat. It's probably a, a house cat. A house cat. And, and literally we, you get photographs of house cats sometimes, right? That people mm-hmm. think are that cougars. That people think are cougars. Okay. Yeah. And you get photographs of mini bobcats. You have that one. Is it up there? Well, this, this kind of relates to what she was saying there mm-hmm. on the size proportion. Okay. Right. Good. Thank you. So on this first one that we got, um, and, we had um, several photos of deer from the same camera mounted in the same place. And so we took those photos, um, and the deer were in pretty much, you know, the same spot as the cougar. And we compared those um, with the cougar, and we are oh, actually yeah. able to use software to merge them all into one frame. They're not one hanging frame, out there. Right, okay. And you can see that the cougar is about the same t- size as a deer, maybe just a little bit shorter. Yeah. Um, and you can see that tail really well. You can, you can, and that dark tip on the tail is a big indicator. Throw a bobcat up there real quick. We got time. <laughs> we don't have, I don't have one. Okay, uh, right, Joey, I ran you short on cougars. Sorry. No, no, it's my fault. Uh, that's my bad time, and we'll get you back to talk about them. Okay. But we get a lot of photographs of cougars mm-hmm. that aren't cougars. But mm-hmm. we have a team. When we do get one we think is good, we send a team out, correct? We do. We, we go out and we see the site. We look at the pictures really hard, and we look at the size proportions and. And, you know, we, we really do a, a, a big effort to and get that no, right. no hunting seasons on cougars, and there's no season established, correct? Right, so that makes it illegal to kill a cougar. Okay, all right. We'll get you back and talk more in length about cougars, okay? You did okay. a great job. All right, really thanks. great job. Jason? Hey, thanks for watching this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. You can watch us and find us, uh, listen to us everywhere. Uh, com is a good place to start. And keep watching our Facebook and Twitter. We'll get Joy back. See you.